glad Brother Raven's coming uh, next week. And uh, number four in baseball was always the cleanup man. And uh, so he's going to have something to clean up when he gets done. Brother White and uh, Brother Finley and then me. And uh, thank God, Brother Raven, he'll clean it all up if we messed it up, all right? And look with me in Daniel chapter number one tonight. And I do appreciate the invitation, the hospitality, and uh, I appreciate your excitement. And uh, one lady told me out front, she said, we're just so excited that you're here. And I said, well, that's good. You let me know that at the end of service and I'll be happy, all right? And, and it is good to be here. I love your spirit in your church and uh, with the people. I love the Holy Spirit in the church, but I love your spirit and uh, very cordial, very uh, welcoming when we come in here, and we appreciate that. And uh, my little boy, Enoch, if he was in here, he'd have the walls tore down. That's why he's not here, and, uh, but he's with his aunt tonight. She's taking care of him, and he wanted to go play with his, his cousins, and so he got to go do that. And then my other two boys said, oh, I've heard you preach everything anyway, so they stayed at home. And so uh, one's married and uh, been married for a little over a year now. And the second one, he is, uh, he's not married. He needs to be married and be finding somewhere to go move into. And, uh, and then the third one, uh, little Enoch, he's four years old. I got a 23, 21, and a four-year-old. And so, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm going to be in the rest home when he turns 16 probably. <laughs> Uh, if I continue on pastoring. And so, uh, Brother Stan, he, he joined the Senior Citizens Club this week, and uh, he's on AARP. And I was trying to get him to get a piece of chocolate, and he said he didn't want any. And so, that's all right. That's all right. But I do appreciate you for being here. I appreciate Cherry Grove and some of you has been here with us tonight. Daniel chapter number one tonight. And I do want you to give me your minds for just a moment. I know it's Thursday. It's been a long week. I do this every week too, and uh, I know you got a lot on your mind, a lot to finish up this week. And uh, but if you would give me your mind for just a moment tonight, and I want to try to help you. I, I'm not a short-winded preacher, so I'm just going to tell you that right up front. I'm not a long-winded preacher neither. I'm just the average. I don't know what average he is, and uh, but I, I do want you to stay with me tonight. And I don't I don't say what I'm about to say as a cliche, but I promise you, I am going somewhere. And uh, if you take notes, take notes, and we'll get there here in just a minute, all right? And there's a lot to be said in chapter number one of Daniel here and uh, that I want to share with you that I think will be a great, great help for you. And uh, even in your church today and, and the past weeks and months, what God's been doing for Calvary Baptist Church, I'm, I'm excited for it. And uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not one of these preachers that get jealous at other churches. I promise you that right now. I'm excited. I'm excited for churches in Wilkes County that they'll do something and see something happen in their church, and uh, it, it excites me because I understand I have my Jerusalem that God's placed me in, and I'm going to work hard at it to reach everybody that I can, and, uh, and I know that you are doing the same thing here, and I'm excited for you, and, uh, but I also want you to understand tonight that there is an enemy that don't like anything we're doing, and uh, so you stay with me tonight. In verse number one, the Bible said, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king, uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Notice his God's got a little G beside of it, all right? Verse 3 said, And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of the uh, eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding, uh, understanding science and such, uh, as had ability in, the, uh, in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them daily, uh, appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine and which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and Hananiah of Shadrach, and of Meshach, Meshach, and of Azariah, 
Abednego. And for a little while tonight, I'm just going to look at these seven verses right for a, if you like, if you like verse by verse, I'll be going verse by verse, all right? And uh, when we come to the book of Daniel tonight, oftentimes we think about prophecy, we think about uh, the importance of prophecy that's in the Bible, and, uh, and I'm not going to necessarily preach on that tonight. And we also think about these three, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, most of the time when I say their names, I'll say Shadrach, Meshach, and one bad amigo and uh, is who they were. But tonight I'm not interested that much in the prophecy. I'm not interested that much in Daniel and his friends. But there is a person that's mentioned here and uh, that I want us to key in on tonight. And uh, in verse number one, it uh, talks about him. And, uh, and the Bible gave him the name. The Bible said in the third year of the, re- of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And, uh, and I want us to look at him tonight and understand some things about Nebuchadnezzar tonight. And I believe when we get done, it'll be a help to you. And uh, open your eyes and see some things that's going on in our world today and going on in our churches today. And understand that if we want to see old-time religion stay alive, there's just some things we got to do. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar tonight, he was a man that was a very powerful king. And I want you to notice a few things about him in introduction. We're going to move on. And, uh, but he was a very powerful king. As you read the book of Daniel, there's several times his name is mentioned. He's mentioned as Nebuchadnezzar the Great. It talks about Babylon the Great, if you will. And Babylon was sort of the powerhouse of the land during that day and during that time. And uh, and he was just one of those men that was the most powerful on the throne. And we see, see him tonight as a powerful king. But number two tonight, I want you to understand that he was a pagan king. And uh, he did not serve the God of Daniel. He did not serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he served the gods of the Babylonians, which were many gods. They had a lot of gods. And so tonight he was a powerful king, but he was a pagan king. But number three tonight, understand that he was a very prevailing king. And uh, in his reign and in his day, every nation that Nebuchadnezzar would go to and go through would become his nation. And uh, he was a man that was prevailing. He would conquer. He would take any land, any town, any city, any person, anybody that got in his way because of his power. And uh, he was very prevailing at everything that he did. And uh, Daniel began to interpret a dream for him and, uh, and shared with him this image that he saw And he said on this image, there was the head of the image and the head of the image was made of gold. And the image really represented the four superpowers. And again, I'm not going to preach all this. And that were to come throughout history and it marked the time of the Gentiles. But beginning with Nebuchadnezzar here in Babylon and the reason that the head of this thing was gold was because Nebuchadnezzar was a man that was of great wealth and great power and he had had all the money he needed. Listen, China did not mark up to him. The United States of America couldn't match up to him. And uh, he was a very prevailing king. And I say all that to say this tonight. The king in Daniel's day was the world's king. He was the superman, if you will. He was a, a superpower of the world. He was the king of the world when it came to Daniel's day. But it represents somebody tonight that I believe we can go over to the New Testament that Jesus rightly describes as a man by the name of Satan. And the Bible said, and Jesus told us about him three things, that Satan is a thief. And he said that he came to steal and to kill and ultimately to destroy. And you realize tonight when you come to the book of Daniel in chapter number one, this is exactly the very thing that Nebuchadnezzar is wanting to do in these early verses. And we see that he was this king that had a desire, number one, to steal and ultimately to kill the people and to destroy the city of Jerusalem in the end. And you say, preacher, what in the world? How is this even relevant in 2022? And uh, how is it relevant to where we are? That was wrote so many years ago. It was a different time and different dispensation, different rules and different laws and everything was different. Listen, friend, it's very relevant tonight because the very same thing that the king in Daniel's day wanted to do is the very same thing that the king of this world wants to do in our 
our day and time. And so for a little while, I want to preach on this thought of what the king of this world really wants. And, uh, and when we think about him tonight, we're going to look at the devil tonight through the eyes and through the person of this Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and so tonight when we look at our text, we're going to see a few things. And I said stay with me because I'm trying to go somewhere. And we will get there. I promise you that. All right. Number one, I want you to notice uh, when it comes to this thief, when it comes to this steal, kill, and to destroy, when it comes to Nebuchadnezzar tonight, we find that number one, in verse number one, that he took the new ground. The Bible said in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the word besieged in our, in our Wilkes County language, our Iredale, but in Wilkes County language, we would just say that he took the city. And, but I want you to understand something tonight. He didn't just take any city. He didn't come into Wilkesboro, and he didn't come into North Wilkesboro, and he didn't come into Statesville, but he took God's city. And he took a very holy city. He was holy ground that he went on, and, and he began to take that city. What I'm saying tonight is the king of this world, his desire tonight is to take all the new ground that God has given us. And I want to say something tonight. I was reading your sign right here, and your sign plainly and clearly says, taking new ground together. And I want to say tonight, if you ain't careful, the devil of this world, the king of this world, he'll take all the ground that God's ever given you if you ain't careful. And, uh, and so this Nebuchadnezzar, he comes in, and, uh, and this, this ground belonged to God's people. God gave it to him, and uh, it all belonged to God, and he came in, and he took it all. You say, well, preacher, and if God gave it to him, if it was holy ground, if it was God's ground, then why in the world uh, did God allow for somebody to come in and take this ground. And I want to say, first of all, it was because the people of God became so apathetic in their life. They became so complacent in their life. And they just got to a place that they no longer wanted to hear preaching. They no longer wanted to hear uh, what the prophet had to say. And they got to a place in their life where they allowed idols and they allowed things to get into their life and to take over their life and begin worshiping the wrong God and began worshiping the false gods of that day. And so therefore we understand the 70 years of captivity of Babylon. And, uh, and so God said, because you're so pagan and because you won't worship me and me alone. And uh, he said, I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar over. And Nebuchadnezzar comes and he takes the new ground. But listen, it all started in their life when they began to lose the ground that was rightfully theirs. That's when it all started. And uh, listen, God's been doing great things at Calvary Baptist Church. God's done great things in a lot of y'all's life, your family's life, your children's life. And, and uh, listen, that's ground that God has given you, man. That's ground that God has blessed you with. That's ground that God wants you to keep and keep moving together on. But if you ain't careful, I'm telling you, the devil will take every bit of the ground if you ain't careful. Can I say this tonight, that listen, this is exactly where we are in America today. There's a lot of people in our churches today, they're sitting in the pews and they, they have their King James Bible, they sing the songs of Zion and, and I mean, man, we've got it all down. We sing just as I am without one plea and we sing nothing but the blood. But the problem is this, is that they have given the devil too much ground in their life. We give up ground. And when we give up ground, listen, you've heard it said before, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. The Bible says give no place to the devil. As a matter of fact, you can, if you're drawn out of God, God will draw out of you. If you'll resist the devil, the Bible said he'll flee from you. And so I'm saying tonight, the king of this world and the king of Daniel's world during that day and time, Nebuchadnezzar, he came in and he took the new ground. But not only did he take the new ground, you stay with me, I'm trying to get somewhere. But he also, he took the nice gold. The Bible said in verse number two, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with parts of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And so you see tonight the king of this world, he takes the new ground, but he doesn't stop there. He comes in and he begins to take all of the nice gold. And uh, these, these, these were the gold and the silver and the vessels that was used in the house of the Lord 
Lord and they were holy vessels. They were not to be desecrated. They were not to be used in uh, the false worship by any means. And, but what I want to say tonight is this. Listen, the devil will take all the sacred things that you will allow him to have in your life. Listen, he wants your Bible and he wants your music. He wants everything about He wants your convictions. He wants your standards. Anything that God's given you, anything that's holy, anything that's sacred in your life, I promise you tonight, he'll take it if you allow him. And uh, the God of this world, he took the new ground. He took the nice goal and, and he'll take everything else. But listen, here's one thing that was interesting. Nebuchadnezzar takes all these vessels and he takes them out of the treasure house of the Lord. And the Bible said that he takes them down to Babylon and he puts them in his treasure house. And he puts them there with all the other vessels, all the other gold, all the other silver, all the other things that no doubt he had taken from other people. And it was there in Babylon that he would place that gold and he would place that silver and, and uh, in his storehouse. And when I began to think about that, it, it was sort of like this. If we were to walk into there in Babylon and we were to see the vessels of gold and the vessels of silver and, and you got the ones of the Babylonians, then you got the ones that came out of Jerusalem, and we probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between none of them. They were gold and they were silver. And I'm saying that to say this tonight. What the devil's doing in our day and time is blurring the lines. He's blurring the lines. And, uh, and this, this Nebuchadnezzar, he takes the nice gold, he takes all the ground, and, uh, and he comes in and he takes it all down to his house and he puts it there, he blurs the lines. And if you were to look at all these vessels, you wouldn't be able to tell uh, which one was Babylonian, which one come out of Jerusalem. And listen, friend, that is exactly in these last days, the battle that we're in. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against church and church. Our battle is not against with Democrats and Republicans tonight. The battle is a prince of the power of the air. It's the devil himself as he's doing everything that he wants to do to take old-time religion in one hand and contemporary religion in the other hand and try to blur the lines together and call it all in the name of God so our young people cannot tell the difference of what's real and what's not. He takes a nice goal. He takes the new ground. But I want to tell you something else tonight, and we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. He's really not interested in none of those things. And uh, the devil will take anything you'll give him. I mean, he, he likes anything. If he'll give him your time, he'll take it. If he'll, if he'll give him your Bible, he'll take it. If he'll give him your music, he'll take it. But there's really one thing tonight that I think he really wants more than anything. You say, preacher, how can you prove that? I mean, he took their ground, he took their gold, and well, and you go back and you go through here, and Nebuchadnezzar, I've never seen one time that he spent one night in Jerusalem, and uh, he didn't go there and build a palace there. He didn't make no room to stay there by any means. To him, Jerusalem was just another city. It was just another place he took over. And as far as I can see by reading the first five chapters of the book of Daniel tonight, I never see a time and I never see a day that Nebuchadnezzar was drinking out of these vessels and that he used them for anything. But we do know uh, that his grandson Belshazzar did and, uh, and God killed him the very night that he desecrated the sacred things of God. And uh, because listen to me tonight, church, there are some things that are sacred. And, and God don't tolerate it and, uh, when we mess with the sacred things of God. And so Nebuchadnezzar night, he just puts the vessels with all the other vessels. And as far as I know and as far as we know tonight, nothing ever happened of those vessels. But there was something else here in these texts and these verses we read in verse number three. I think there's something that's more valuable to him than the ground that they had claimed than the gold that they had. And in verse number three tonight, the Bible said, And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Verse number one tonight, he took the new ground. Verse number two, he took the nice gold. 
But in verse number 3 tonight, we see that he's interested in the next generation. The next generation. You see, the reason he took the city and he took the gold was because he knew that there was something more valuable than land and gold. He realized there was something far greater than all that. You say, what was it? It was the next generation. You want me to tell you what the devil of this world's interested in right now? It's not me. I'm sure he, he'd love to get a hold of me, and he's probably got a hold of me a time or two. But what the devil of this world, listen, he's interested in your children tonight. He's interested in young people that fill up these pews in this church tonight. He's interested in you young mothers and fathers and grandmas and grandpas tonight. He's interested tonight in this next generation. That's what he wants. Listen, he wants young people that are uh, sitting on the pew Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And he wants the next generation. And that's really what he wants tonight. A lot of times we talk about how the devil's on us, devil's this. And listen, I know we all fight these battles in our life. But at the end of the day, his ultimate goal, his ultimate goal is the next generation. You see, the devil tonight, he, he's not disturbed because you're carrying a King James Bible. I'm King James through and through, man. I mean, it's the only thing, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's, to me, it's the only Bible. It's the only thing I read, it's the only thing I preach, it's the only thing I have. And so I'm not, I'm not minimizing that, but he could care less about it. You, you can say King James Bible in some meeting, so they'll run the pews, jump up, swing off the chandeliers and have a time about it. The devil could care less about that. The devil could care less tonight about the redback books. He could care less about, about, about the sort of Lord songbook. He could care less tonight about any of the old songs of Zion that we sing and, and uh, our Bibles and our buildings and our books. He, he's not interested in any of that tonight because he understands if I can just get the next generation. If he can just catch this next generation, here's what happens, Brother Pope. One gray-haired saint at a time, we bury old-time religion. By reaching the next generation. So in trying to stake a claim tonight on the young people. I'm, I'm tired. I'm broken. I, I, the other Sunday I was weeping. Man, it was breaking my heart. And, and, and just knowing some young men and some young ladies. And uh, that God, I mean, man, been raised in church their whole life by good daddies and good pastors. And there's some of them's daddies are pastors. And, uh, I mean, man, just the stories I've been hearing in the last year or two of these young people. And where they're going with their life things. I mean, some of them turned into homosexuals. Some of them just run. I mean, it's been, it's blowed my mind. And that's what the devil's interested in tonight. You see, tonight, if he gets that, if he gets that, he stops everything that Calvary Baptist Church has prayed for and pursued during its existence. I told the church Wednesday night or Sunday night, maybe it was, yes, Sunday night, and uh, I was up there preaching, and, uh, and man, we, we, we got churches in our county, probably like y'all do, we got them everywhere. Half of them need to just shut their doors and go home and, and go to another church. I mean, I'm talking about they did. And, and when grandma and grandpa dies and great-grandma and grandpa dies, the church is done. And there is no young people. There is no young families. There is no kids. There is no nothing there. Why? Because the devil's already got what he wanted in that church and he's finished with it. That's why they can have their little teas and do all that they do together and never have no arguments, disputes, or anything because they ain't doing anything for God. You see, when you're going in the same direction with the devil, you ain't going to have no trouble. But you ever turn around and go in the opposite direction, I promise you, you're going to meet him somewhere along the way and because uh, he's going to be there. And uh, so, so tonight for our young people and the young people of Calvary Baptist Church and the uh, young pa uh, parents and families, you're fixing to start you a new uh, Sunday school here. Listen, it's important tonight that you understand what the devil really wants. And I want you to think about this tonight, and I'm almost done. I said his, his desire tonight, it's not just the new ground. It's not just the nice goal. It's, it's, it's the next generation. You say, preacher, what is it about the next generation that he wants? Look in verse number three. I told you I'm going to go verse by verse by verse by verse. It's all there. What is it that he wants? Well, the Bible said, and the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes 
Now watch this. What is it so special about this? He wants the best. He wants the saved. The Bible said that he said the king's seed. Listen to me tonight, mamas and daddies. Listen, my children are saved. My, my oldest boys are saved. The other one, I hope he gets saved, and he needs to be saved. He needs Jesus. I'll tell you that right now. He's mean. And uh, but my two oldest boys, they're saved and on their way to heaven. And thank God tonight they're hell-proof. They're heaven-bound with a hammer down. But I'll tell you something, they're not devil-proof. They're not devil-proof tonight. Listen, he wants to save tonight. Just because your children get saved and they get in and they're on their way to heaven, listen, I'm just telling you tonight, it doesn't mean that the devil's done with them. It doesn't mean that the devil's not interested in them tonight And because he's more interested in them than he is the drunk on the street. And he's more interested in them tonight than he is the apostate. And he's more interested in them tonight than he is the dope smoker out there on the street. Listen, he's interested tonight in the best and he's interested tonight in the saved. You see, the devil takes anybody. He'll take the man with the needle in his arm. He'll take the smoking dope crowd. He'll take the drunk crowd. He'll take them all, but he's not going to stop there because he wants the best. He wants God's best. Listen, you can't lose your salvation. I'm not preaching that tonight. I'm just saying, listen, there's a lot of pitfalls, man. If I could, if I could take young people and put what's in my heart in their heart, and just let them see. There's so many pitfalls after you get saved. After you get saved, after you get born again, man, the devil begins to fight your mind. He begins to fight you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, in every way that he can. And listen, if we give place to him tonight, he will wreck you and ruin you and destroy your testimony uh, to a point that you can hardly ever get it built back up. Listen, he wants to save tonight. But not only does he want to save, but the verse goes on, he wants to separate it. The Bible said, in children in whom was no blemish. He wants you young people tonight, you young ladies, you young men, that's kept you purity tonight. That's who he's interested in. You say, preacher, they're good kids, so that's who he wants. He wants the best tonight. He wants the king's seed. He wants the saved. He, he wants the separated. He wants that young man and that young woman that's never smoked a cigarette. He wants that one that's never smoked a joint. He wants that young person that has never drank a beer. He wants that young one uh, that's never looked at pornography. He wants that one that doesn't use foul language. That's who he's interested He's interested in tonight, those with no blemish the separated crowd tonight. You may be here tonight and you was homeschooled or maybe you went to Christian school. Maybe you sing in the choir. Maybe you're at every Sunday school there is. Maybe you've had family altars at your home and you say, preacher, I'm, I, I am hell proof, man. Everything's all right with me. Listen, the devil still wants you tonight. Mom and daddy, the devil still wants them tonight. Not so he can get their soul, but so he can take their testimony. He wants God's best tonight. He wants to save. He wants to separate it. And, uh, but then I want to say this. He wants the special. He said in verse number four, the children in whom was no blemish, but well favored. Did you know tonight, and probably here at Calvary, you got the same thing. There's always that one young person that just sticks out. And, and they're the influencers. If they're going to live for God, everybody else is going to live for God. If they're going to do dumb things, everybody else is going to do dumb things. They're just special. There's just something about them. They just got God on them, you know? I think of a young man at our church. His name's Justice Burkett, and there's just something about him. I love him, man. He can sing, and, uh, and he's just got a good spirit about him, and uh, he's very, very close friends with Dylan, and, and uh, there's just something about him. He's just special. Young men will look up to him. And uh, there's, and, and probably in here, same thing. You got somebody here, you may not be a teenager, you may be 20 years old, 25 years old. Listen, that's still young, all right? When you hit 43 and start getting fat like I am, that's when you know you're getting old, all right? Used to, it fell off. Now it don't fall off, it just keeps getting bigger. And, uh, and listen, but listen, you, you, are, you are special. You're special in that you have a testimony. You're special tonight in that you have an influence in your life. But I want you to understand something tonight. If that's you, young man or young lady, listen. The Bible said to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. 
And if God has given you a good testimony, and God has given you a good burden, and God has given you a good passion, you need to use that thing for Him. And you better be careful tonight because the God of this world, He wants you. He don't want that teenager that's lazy. He don't want that teenager that don't want to put no effort into anything. He don't want that teenager that don't ever read his Bible. He don't want that teenager that, listen, he's interested tonight in the best, the saved, the separated, the special tonight. You say, preacher, God's got his hand on me. That's good. The devil's got his eye on you, though. That's how it's always worked. What the God of this world is really interested in tonight is just the next generation. That's what he wants. Listen, he wants God's best, but watch this. Stay with me. I'm almost done. But number two, not only does he want their best, but he wants them in Babylon. That's where he wants them. You see, when Nebuchadnezzar got these boys, they didn't get to stay in Jerusalem. They went to Babylon. You see, Babylon had its own place of worship tonight. It had its own gods. Babylon had the lights. Babylon had the smoke. Babylon had things that Jerusalem didn't have. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what? I'm not going to leave these boys here in Jerusalem, this holy city. I, I need them to come to Babylon with me. And so he gets them to come to Babylon. And, and just like tonight, listen to me, just like Babylon had its churches, just like Babylon had its gods, listen, it is the same way with churches today. And uh, you, you, you know what the word Babylon means? Confusion. And son, there's some places I go, it ain't nothing but utter confusion. Hey, some things I see, I'm confused. That they, I don't know what they are. I don't know what they believe. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. I'm just confused. Most like the vessels, the gold and the silver and uh, for what came from Jerusalem and what came from Babylon, it, it sort of just blurred the lines and I just don't know. You just don't know. It's Babylon. And uh, listen, he wants God's best. He wants to get these young people away from Jerusalem. He wants to get these young people away from Calvary Baptist Church where uh, the Bible is preached and the songs are sung and the people will worship and the souls are saved and, and get them out of this place and get them into another place of confusion. Or they don't know if they're supposed to look like a hipster, a hippie, or a preacher. They don't know what to do. And they don't know, they don't know if they should wear a tie. They don't know if they, listen, I'm not, listen, these things are from the devil. I'm telling you that right now. I'm just wearing one because I'm an independent Baptist, all right? And uh, if I was Southern Baptist, I'd throw it out the door right now. And, but I'm not. And uh, I wear a white shirt, not because I believe you got to wear white shirts. I just wear white shirts because I get tired of trying to match colors. And I'm not a good, I'm about half colorblind. And so that's why I wear white. And uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything. And, uh, but it does have to do with this. He wants to get them in Babylon tonight. That's his desire. He wants to confuse your children. He wants to confuse you as parents and, and, and what is right and what is real. And, and the Babylon is just like the churches we see today. And uh, it's so much confusion that's going on and everybody's mixed up and everybody is messed up. And they got their buildings, they got their stages, they got their fog machines, they got their uh, drama teams, their worship teams. They got all those things in Babylon churches tonight. I'm saying he wants the best tonight, but he wants them in Babylon. And I want to encourage his parents and encourage his young people tonight, don't get caught up in that mess. Listen, I've never seen a day and a time of one-name wonder churches, the cove, the core. You know, have y'all seen them? I mean, something catchy, you know. I've never seen it like that before, in my, not in my day. And, and the one way that I know that I'm at a Babylon church is when I pull up and the sign's there and it don't say church and it don't say Baptist. I understand that. Listen, it's just like going to your, to your, uh, uh, your, your, your counter tonight wherever you keep your uh, prescription drugs. And, uh, and imagine tonight how many of y'all have to take medication. My wife says I need to be on medication. 
But what if you went in and got in your drug department, wherever it's at, and you open that thing up, and there's all your pills right there. But there's not one label on them. You know? And it's just a bunch of yellow bottles. And you can't even identify what you're fixing to put in you. You probably wouldn't do it. Some of you women, you might be taking one of your, the man's hormone pill and start growing a beard and talking deep or something like that. And men, you might be taking one of her estrogen pills and, and you start talking like this. I don't know. You just wouldn't do it. Because you want to know what you're fixing to put in you, don't you? Listen, friend, well, that's the same way with church. Anybody that's ashamed to identify as a Baptist, I don't want to have, it ain't that I ain't got nothing to do with them. I got friends that ain't Baptist. I'm just saying, it's babbling though. That's what the king of this world's wanting to do. He, listen, don't identify with that old time religion. Don't identify with the King James Bible. Don't identify with uh, that old songs of Zion. Don't identify with uh, it's still the blood. Don't identify with that stuff. There's other things. Hey, we've got better things in Babylon. We've got, we've got good things and gooder things. Oh, man, you'll be so happy here. And, and so the desire of the king of this world tonight is to get them out of the old-fashioned churches. Can I say this is your Jerusalem tonight? And it is not an appeal to the world, I promise you that. They don't like it. And I had a lady uh, somewhere, somehow, Miss, Miss Simpson was speaking at our church Saturday at the women's conference, and, uh, and she said, I just got online just to uh, see your choir. And she, what she was doing was judging us. That's what she was doing. Just let me put it like that. She just wants to see how I preached and wants to see how the choir sung. You know, what kind of church we have? Is she coming to a babbling church? And she said, when I, when I got on one of your videos, there was a comment underneath there. It said, he's too mean of a preacher. And she said, I didn't have to listen. I knew I was in the right place. <laughs> I am not a mean preacher, all right? And, but I do preach the Bible. But listen, the world does not like what we have. I promise you that. Jerusalem was a holy place. Jerusalem was a place where God's people would meet with them and he would meet with them. And so the emphasis, the emphasis of Jerusalem was always on the right things. Parents, young people, listen to me. Keep your kids out of Babylon. Keep them out of Babylon tonight. Keep them out of Wilkes County at the end of this month. They ain't got, they ain't got no business being at the faith mess. They ain't got no business there. Please help me. Listen, they don't. I, I've never, listen, long-haired hippies swinging off stages, hanging on, hanging on railing and, and climbing to the top of it and people's just doing all that they're worshiping there's no doubt in my mind it's worship God created music with one purpose and it was worship and whatever that music is directed to and whatever it is, is, is the meaning of that's what you're worshiping and listen there's nothing about listen I, I've got friends people go to that stuff and they, I call them friends they probably don't call me a friend but I'm not trying to be mean. I really ain't. Some people, I got caught up in it when I first got saved. I had my ear pierced. Somebody walked up at the women's conference the other day and said, you got an earring? I said, do you think I wear an earring? I used to. I used to go to the Jesus jams and do all that stuff. I did. I did. But one thing that, that I just couldn't ever get over was, this is just like where I used to go. That's what I felt like. It, it, was, it was more about, it was more about, I mean, literally, it was, it was like they were worshiping the singers. That's what they were doing, hands in there. They weren't worshiping God by any means. And so what I'm saying tonight, keep them out of Babylon. Keep them around Brother Pope over here. Old time preaching. Let her fly. Just get up here and preach. Keep them around the singing. Keep them around the shouting. Keep them around the glory of God. And listen, man, I've not been in this thing very long, but I've been in this thing long enough to know what's real and what's not. I have. And, uh, and I've, I ain't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, somebody that's done it all, but listen, I've been around some of this stuff, and I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, it's got Bible and wrote all over it. Tonight, I'm not standing on a stage. I'm on your platform. I'm not up here to perform anything for you. 
I'm up here to preach the book to you. And listen to what I'm saying. Babylon wants to take it all away. It's about performance. It's about a show. It's about, it's about all this other stuff. And, but listen, I told you earlier that there are some things that ought to be holy and there are some things that ought to be sacred when it comes to the things of God. And listen, friend, when you get into Babylon, all the sacredness and all the holiness and all the glory, all that is gone. Listen, the devil does not mind if you go to church tonight. But just come and let's go to Babylon. He wants the best tonight. He wants them. But he wants them in Babylon. Look in verse 5. And the king appointed them daily provisions of the king's meat and the wine which uh, he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Point number next, wherever I am. He not only wants them in Babylon, but watch this. He wants to bribe them. He wants to bribe them. Daniel's and these old boys right here, They've been on a long journey. They're tired. They're hungry. And there's no doubt in my mind that they expected they're fixing to go to a dungeon. They're fixing to go to prison. But they found out they didn't go to prison, but they went to a palace. Them old boys, they get cleaned up, and they're taken into a, a dinner hall of the king's diner, and they get in there, and here comes these servants, you know, and they're serving the king's meat. They got the fine wine. They got one portion after another portion after another portion, and I don't know what the meat was, and I don't know if it was a meat maybe that was offered to false idols. I don't know if it was swine. I, I don't know anything about it. It doesn't go into detail, but I do know this. Daniel took one look at it, and he said, you know what? I'm not going to partake of this right here. And uh, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with this right here. And uh, he said, I don't know about the rest of you in here. He said, but I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to eat this stuff. And he would not defile himself with the king's meat. In application tonight, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, here, here's young people get this. What Daniel was saying is, I'm not going to go against what God has showed me. I'm not going to go against what my mom and daddy's taught me. I'm not going to eat that stuff. I am not going to partake of that. I'm not going to have anything. Listen, what I'm saying is not the devil will bribe you with something. He'll bribe you with something. He'll offer you something. He'll show you something that looks good. He'll show you something that looks plentiful. He'll show you something that looks uh, fulfilling in your life and, and uh, something that's going to make you happy, something that's going to make you whole in your life. And, but I want to tell you something tonight. We all need to get a backbone like old Daniel and these boys and say, you know what? I am not going to eat of the king's meat. And I tell you tonight, the devil, the devil is the bribingest man or demon that you're ever going to meet in your life. And he knows knows how to make something look good. He knows how to make something smell good. He knows how to make something taste good. But whatever you do tonight, don't eat of that king's meat. It will defile you tonight, I promise you. You see, the devil never shows the outcome. He only shows the bribe. Years ago, and I, I'm trying to hurry. Years ago, had a man, good man, son, if you mess with me, he'd, he'd kill you. He really would. And uh, you didn't talk about me. You didn't say nothing about me. And uh, this was down in Burlington, down there in Egypt. And, uh, and, and he just, I mean, he was just one of his, everywhere I went, I was, got Brother Simpson's and preached down there. Uh, Walter's Grove, he's right there by my side. And, and everybody's like, is that your bodyguard? I'm like, yeah, he's my bodyguard. And uh, he, everywhere I went, good guy, drove a van for me, filled up a van within two weeks and had to go get a bus. And I mean, man, he's just one of those good guys. But he liked bodybuilding. He was just... I can't do it. I can't. I ain't got enough lung. I mean, here's just buff. We had a leak in the church, and we was out trying to find where the leak was one day. And he he worked for a plumbing company, and and not only that, he was a he was a walking encyclopedia. I mean, he knew it all. We was out there, and I said, this area right here is flooded out here beside the church. And I had a shovel, and I was digging down the side of the church. I'd went two foot, three foot. I mean, man, just all we wound up going around the whole church trying to find a water line. And the whole time, it was right above ground over at the men's bathroom. We just didn't see it. And there's a bush growed over it. But we was out there one day, and he come out there, and, and he said, I'll help you, preacher. Let me help you. And he gets out there, and he starts digging. He's like, man, it's hot. And he just rips his shirt off. No shirt. 
rip, cut, you know. I mean, he still got a little old beer belly there, but he didn't drink beer at that time, but he used to. And, and you know, but he was still just a big old dude. And here's the women. They're like, oh. He's I don't know if they was feigning because of his masculinity or if they were like, oh, my goodness, he has got his shirt off. And my treasurer, that's what she said. She said, oh, no. And I said, Todd, put your shirt on. So he put it back on. And I'm trying to figure out why I was going with this. Oh, yeah. So Todd, I don't want to say his name, might be watching, then he'll come kill me. And so he got to a place in his life one day, I, I don't know what it was. He, he met with me, he said, preach, I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, I'll be riding my lawnmower and I'll just start crying. I said, well, ain't nothing wrong with being sensitive. And uh, not in that way. And uh, I said, ain't nothing wrong with that. And he said, no, man, you don't understand the thoughts I'm having, da, 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 and all this stuff. And I said, Todd, I, I can't help you with that. And we went more and he, he, he disappeared one day. And left his wife, left his family, just gone. We called, she called, we called, she called. Couldn't find him nowhere. And I finally got a hold of him late that evening, and he was down at the coast somewhere, and, uh, and he was as hammered, drunk, I mean drunk, drunk, drunk. And, uh, and I said, what in the world is going on? What is wrong with you? He said, you, I can't tell you, preacher. And, uh, and I said, you can tell me anything. You know that, man. You've been with me these past several years. You know I will help you any way that I can. He said, no, preacher, it's bad. It's bad. And he just kept on, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And I finally said, Todd, I said, are you, are you gay? And uh, I can't say what he said, but at the end of it was no. I said, all right. I said, well, that to me would be the worst thing you could tell me. And then here's what he said. He said, all right, I'll tell you. I said, what is it? He said, I'm in love with my daughter. And yeah, that's what I did. I was just like, okay. He said, you don't understand. I love her. She loves me. I said, dude, she's 15 years old. Understand his daughter, he raised her from a baby. It wasn't his biological, but he raised her from a baby up. And he's in love with her. He come back. I met with him and trying to put a finger on what was going on in this thing. Here's what happened. He worked out all the time. And he started taking, what's that stuff called? Steroids. And a, it's a steroid, but it's something else called something else. And it was so messing with his mind. Emotions. Had him, I mean, I'm talking about had him messed up. He, he thought, he thought he had to stay young and thick and, you know, muscled up and all that. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is this. The devil will bribe you. And I'm telling you, he'll make things look good. Oh, that pill looked good. That shot looked good. It's going to buff me up. I'm going to get to where I want to get and all that. But listen, I'll tell you something. He never shows you the outcome of it. And I'm talking about this man. He lost his family, lost his uh, daughter, lost everything. Lost everything. He lost everything. He'll bribe you tonight, and I'm done. I really am. I'm closing. Verse number 6. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and Hananiah, and Shadrach, and Mishael, Mishael, and Meshach, and Azariah, and Abednego. The word Daniel literally means God is my refuge. Here's what he did. He bribed them, and now he's brainwashing them. You know what he's trying to do now? He's trying to change their identity. That's what he's doing. Daniel's name literally meant God's my judge. Belshazzar means the prince of Baal. Hananiah means God has been gracious. Shadrach meant the servant of sin. Mishael means to be equal with God. Meshach meant to be the shadow of a prince. Azariah means God has helped. Abednego meant the servant of Ishtar. At the end of it all, I said he wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy. At the end of these young men's life, really what the, what the king of that world was trying to do ultimately, it wasn't about the ground, it wasn't about the gold, it was about the next generation. Brainwash them. Change their identity of who they really are. And I'm saying that to say this tonight. There is a movement in our land that that, in the name of God, is what it's all about. Changing the identity 
of what we call old-time religion. You say, but preacher, they got a good message. Can I tell you something tonight? The message needs to be right. But the music needs to be right. The melody needs to be right. The movement needs to be right. That's how the devil's getting our young people sucked into this mess, to change their identity. One young man, he's a pastor's son. I'm not going to go into detail. Married, had two kids. And for what, he finally left his Baptist church of his father and started going over here after he got married, this girl, and to a contemporary church, a non-denominational, met up with some guys there, become friends with them. And now this young man, it's not that he's gay, he is gay, but now this young man is no longer a man. He divorced his wife, and, uh, and now he's fixing to marry a young lady who identifies as a boy, and, uh, and he identifies as a girl now. I'm talking about brainwashed. Got called up in a in a in a in a church called Babylon. Got called up where there was where there was no distinction between what's holy and what's profane. Where there is no preaching about what is right, where the movement wasn't right, where the message might have sounded all right, and the music was off, the melody was bad. And uh, but listen, they, they, listen, he sucked them into it. And listen, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you a story. That's real. I know who he is know him real well, and it breaks my heart. The devil wants to ultimately change your identity tonight. He wants to erase everything. Can I, close, can I give you this? And I, I'm not trying to be crude and mean if you've read this book. I've read it. But I've got a quote here that I want to give you out of a book that was called The Purpose Driven Life. Here's what he said. What we want to do for this generation when it comes to church is take away anything that reminds them of church. Remove the pulpit. Take out the choir. Pull out the pews. Now, we got chairs in our church, so I'm not judging, all right? But here's what bothered me. Take away anything and everything that reminds us of what church used to be. And that's exactly what our text is talking about. Let's get them out of Jerusalem. I need, I, need the, I need God's best tonight. I want the saved, the separated, the special, the skillful kids. That's who I want. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want them to stay. I don't want them to stay here. I need them in Babylon. I'm going to bribe them. I'm going to give them something even better. I'm going to give them something of the, what the king has to offer. This is what I got for you. Ultimately, the brain washed them to nothing. And that's where we are today. But I want you to know the most important thing, the most important thing tonight. There's another king. He wants you just as bad as this king wants you. This king, he's the king of the world, and he's the king of the worlds to come. He's the, this king... He's a king that will never take you captive against your will. He'll never storm the door of your heart. He'll never arrest your soul. But I'll tell you what he will do. The Bible said that, behold, I'll stand at the door and knock. He'll give you an invitation to come and to follow him and to live for him. He, listen, he's going to set a table before you, but I promise you, it ain't going to be a bribe. And uh, he'll set, he ain't going to set no water before you, but, uh, wine before you, but he'll set a little water before you. And he said, listen, if you'll come and eat, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never, be, you'll be satisfied. If you'll come drink, you'll never thirst again. Son, he'll give you a well that's, that'll give you a well of life, of living life, and a life that's worth it. And, and listen, I'm saying that tonight to say this. I thank God that 22 years ago that I did walk down an old-fashioned uh, Baptist church, and I walked down that aisle, and I bowed on that altar, and I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior and to be my king and to be my master and I'm telling you that church I've never regretted a minute of it never regretted a minute of it and listen if I had to do over again and had to do it over again I would do it over and over and over and I can say tonight brother Pope if I die I'm satisfied I'm satisfied I'm satisfied with what God's given me. I'm satisfied with old-time religion. I'm satisfied with the King James Bible. I'm satisfied with the songs we sing here. And I'm satisfied with... I'm just satisfied tonight. God's been good to me tonight. He's been gooder to me than I deserve in my life tonight. Listen, and I'm telling you, but the devil, the king of this world, he wants our next generation. That's what he wants. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. 
Thank you again for this day. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time. Bless your word. Use it. Help us tonight as parents tonight. May we pray a hedge about our children. May we beware and be careful in everything that we do, Father. We need you tonight. We need you touch. We need you to visit with us. We need you to help us. And God, that we just understand all the blurring of the lines that's in our world today. And God, help us, Father, to keep a distinction between the profane and the holy. God, help us keep our kids out of Babylon. God, help us see things that doesn't need to be in their life. God, help us, Father, mentor them, raise them. Help us as parents to see it in our own life when we begin to sway or move and cross the line. God bless this church. You have been. And I I pray for them. I pray for this pastor weekly. I pray you continue blessing them and using them, Father, to reach their Jerusalem with the gospel of Christ. We'll glorify you for what you do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Wow, what a message. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Why don't we do this tonight? Why don't we just use the altar this evening and let's just pray. Let's just pray a hedge around our homes. Pray a hedge around our families. Pray a hedge around our kids. Every single day, as far as I know, every single day beyond Without fail, I get with the Lord and I ask God to to work in the lives of my kids. And I call them by name. I, I pray for them by name. I pray for each of my grandkids. I pray for them by name every single day because I know something. Well, the devil wants them bad. He wants them bad. Maybe tonight we just need to come and just Say, oh God, protect my home, protect my kids. So true. I told somebody this the other night in one of our services. I feel so sorry. I feel so sorry for our youth today. They're so confused. They're so confused. They don't even know which way is up anymore. And I'm thankful for I'm thankful for a man of God that will come and just preach it straight. It's what we need. If you're here this evening and you say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. If that's you tonight, preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip your hand up right now? Is there one like that anywhere? Can I pray with you tonight? You'd say, Pastor, if I died... I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray with me? You just slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere tonight that I could pray with you about that? Father, thank you for the message. Lord, thank you for challenging our hearts. And Lord, what Brother Tim talked about tonight, it's true. We're seeing it come to pass. Lord, we're seeing churches change. We're seeing homes coming apart at the seams. We're seeing young people, Lord, that are getting mixed up with the world. Father, we need you so bad. We need you so bad. Lord, I'm thankful to see this altar filled this evening. And Father, I pray for every home I pray for my home. Father, I pray that you'd protect Miss Tammy and I. Lord, help us not to stumble. Lord, I pray for my kids. Father, I pray for my my grandkids. Oh, God, that you'd help us not to stumble. Father, I pray for every family and every home that's represented here tonight. Father, that you would protect us. Lord, that you'd keep us in the way. Father, that you'd help us to be found faithful when Jesus returns. And God, help us to keep our eyes upon you. Father, I pray for our young people. So many of our youth today are are so 
Lord, they're so confused about what is right and what is wrong. Lord, thank you so much that, Lord, thank you for letting me grow up in a church that preached the truth. And Lord, thank you for allowing me to go to a church now that preaches the truth. Lord, thank you for giving us a book that proclaims the truth. Lord, thank you for giving us of thy Holy Spirit, Lord, that teaches us truth and shows us what we should do and the way we should go. Father, thank you. Lord, this is what we needed tonight. And God, I thank you for this. I thank you for this challenge. Lord, if we're not careful, sometimes it's easy. Lord, it's easy to drift. And so, Lord, thank you for what you've given us tonight. Lord, we thank you. Father, keep your hand upon this church. Keep your hand upon Cherry Grove. God, keep your hand upon the churches. And Father, I pray that you would continue to do a mighty work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for speaking to hearts. God, have thy way, please.